Would you pray with me, please? Father, what a sweet time it has been in this place already this morning. God, the, the thick presence of your Holy Spirit, so real. As you are, Lord, you are the one who provides for us. You are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides. God, may we never, ever get over that. We need you. We have to have you in every circumstance. Lord, there's so many hearts in this place this morning that are broken. We've got sick family members, Lord. Some of us have lost family members. Some of us are sitting on the brink of losing family members. We have family members that don't know you. And Lord, some of us in this room don't know you. May your word be so real and so relevant to their hearts that we hear you speaking to us as individuals, whether we're in this room or whether we're watching Facebook Live right now. God, that you would speak to us in a powerful way, God, because we need to hear from you, Lord, our provider. Trusting this in the holy name of Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Adults and teenagers and bridge ministry, y'all can have a seat. Our children may head back here with Miss Sarah and the crew. Uh, they'll be upstairs again today as we are almost finished with our uh, unfortunate forestry model next door after a big little water problem. So, thank you, friend. Appreciate you. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and turn with me to James chapter 2. And uh, I hope you've got a paper copy with you. If you've uh, shown up today and you don't, that's all right. We'll have it up on the screen for you. And uh, you can follow along, and I hope that along, and I hope that you will. James, chapter two, is where we're hanging out today. I want you to think about something with me as we dig into this. The passage that I'm sharing with you today, to me, is one of the most one of the most convicting. Is one of the most troubling. It is one of the most poignant and relevant. In today's culture, I think we have. In uh, James chapter 2, beginning in verse 14, going all the way through verse 26. It's the end of the chapter, about 12 verses there. But I want you to think about this with me. If you talk to people, and I know many of you in this room, you talk to people and you talk to them and maybe ask them the question, well, do you know God? Maybe the conversation leads that way. And when you ask that question, you get... One of at least, you get, you get a couple answers. Typically, you'll get a, uh, uh, maybe a very strong no. I don't need that stuff. I've got this taken care of myself. You'll hear that answer quite frequently. Another one you'll hear is, um, well, I hope so. I mean, I, I try to be a good person. People around me would say, I'm a good person. And then there's a third one. And this is the one that maybe troubles me the most because of, uh, of what people say. And what they say is actually correct. I, I think about it like this. I, I hear this, and, and I even heard this yesterday. Is, as I, I don't know, it, it, 
It was probably a couple of hundred people. It seemed like a couple of thousand people that we talked to yesterday. I don't know. I think, uh, I think David gave away 784 uh, of those uh, stress balls, those green stress balls. So any, anybody got one of those in the house today, one of those green stress balls? Yeah, we got one here. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, I may need one right now. I just didn't work through this just a little bit. Um, here, here's what I hear people say. I believe in God, my faith's in Jesus. And I'm like, all right. And and for the most, and just at the surface of it, we're going to take that. That's good. I mean, it's biblical. I mean, Jesus says, repent and believe. John says, repent and believe. Peter says, repent and believe. But I think we've got a word problem there. And according to James chapter 2, verse 14 and following, A lot of us believe. But my question is, has anything happened? And that's what I see screamed from these pages is is not do you believe, because at this point, this is assumed to the people that he's talking to, that these people actually believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross through his death, burial, and resurrection, and that was for us. We believe that. But James is saying, but has it changed you? Has it changed you? And we're going to ask some hard questions as we walk through this. And we've only got a few minutes, but so I want to, I want to dig in and I want to dig in quick. As we dig into James chapter 2, I want us to understand what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us through James. First, what he's not teaching. And here's what he's not teaching. He's not teaching us that we must have either faith or works. That is not what he's teaching. That is crystal clear. The second thing that I see that he's not teaching is that uh, we have to have faith and works in order to receive salvation. That's not what he's teaching. However, what he is clearly teaching is that true faith in God actually changes us to a point so there will be a fruit of works that comes from our life, which is what the title of the message is, Faith Works. Faith doesn't work because it has to. Faith works because it's compelled to from the inside out by the power of the Holy Spirit. So take your Bibles, uh, James chapter 2, beginning in verse 14, if you'll follow along with me. These, this first verse, verse 14, is a haunter for me, and I want it to be for you as well. I want it to stick to your head and stick to your brain, not just for you, but, but maybe even bigger for the people that you know and you love, because I know you care about human beings. Here's what he says. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? And then he asked that question, can that kind of faith save anyone? This is a spot over the last couple of weeks where I've just stopped. Can that kind of faith save anyone? Can a faith that hasn't changed you save you? Can a faith in a holy God, a Holy Spirit, who's moving from the inside out in our lives, and it hasn't changed us, it hasn't changed the way we think, it hasn't changed the way we act, it hasn't changed our heart at all, nothing's changed. If nothing's changed, okay, you can fill in the blank. Nothing's changed. Let's go a little deeper with this. In verse 15, he says, Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, Uh, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well. 
but you don't give the person any food or clothing, what good does that do? Well, they're still hungry, they still have, they're still cold, they still have no place to stay because, okay. You see where he's going with that. Let's move on. Words that won't escape me on this question still go, be, go back to, can that kind of faith save me? This is number one. I've got an outline for you. It's just got four quick things on it, but I think this is super important. The first one is this. Faith should be unmistakable. Faith in Jesus Christ, faith in Jehovah Jireh that we claim, the God who heals, the God who provides, that kind of faith should be unmistakable. Our faith needs to be evident in the way that we treat other people. Our, our faith needs to, to show a grace that is unique and special. That kind of faith should should love unconditionally not to condone sin but to actually love someone which may care enough about telling them that not right let's move this especially for your believing friends that love jesus when we speak truth we do it in love our faith should affect the way that we make decisions it should it should affect who our best friends are. I'm not saying that we don't be friends with everybody. We should. We should have as many friends as possible for the purpose of helping people come to Christ. But our best friends, our inner circle, our, our, our middle three, our middle four, middle five, those should be picked by God, right? <laughs> we need people who are in the same corner, on the same page. And while we're on it, I mean, and some of you have experienced this on both sides of this, our faith should affect who we marry. Seriously, if you're a teenager right now and you're dating somebody, your faith needs to affect who you're thinking about marrying. If you don't believe that, we've got testimonies all over this place that could tell you it better affect who you marry or you'll end up like me or you'll struggle like we have for the last 20, 25 years. Your faith should affect who you marry. Your faith should affect where you work. It should affect how you work, working as under the Lord and not for man. It, it should affect how we raise our children. Every second of it, it should affect how we raise our children. It, it should affect that we serve Jesus as part of the body of Christ. It should affect that part of us that we realize that we are an important part of what God has created us to do. Our faith in God's kindness should lead us to a repentance in God when we have messed up. That should be the kind of change that takes place in our life. Our faith should create a mentality for us so that we are continually seeking to serve others so that we can take them to that point of knowing Christ, that we care about them that much, that we can share the great news with them. James chapter 2 and verse 17, one more verse says this. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough, and we get hung up there, but we have to read it in context of what he's saying. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and it is useless. Whew. At least James kind of soft pedals this and makes it easy for us to take in, right? My goodness. There's a second part of this that I think we have to give. Faith cannot be earned. Real faith, a relationship with Christ, that kind of faith, it can't be earned. I, I want to be so clear about this, as clear as anything I talk about in all of Scripture. 
We are not saved by works. We are not saved by the good things that we do. You cannot earn it. Salvation comes only by grace through faith in Christ alone. It only comes through his sacrificial death where he shed his blood for me and you as the perfect spotless lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We have to trust that and that alone. Salvation comes only through Jesus. It's, it's trusting Jesus to save our souls from the separation of God for eternity. There's no work that can make that happen. A couple of verses I'm going to throw up on the screen here for you. Romans chapter 3 and verse 24 says it like this. And this is Apostle Paul saying, Yet God in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. Now, He makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. There was a price that had to be paid and He paid it for us. So that when we trust Him by grace through faith, we can know Him and experience salvation. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16 says it like this. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. Please hear that. None of us will keep it. Jesus makes it so clear. Even if we don't commit adultery with our bodies, we commit it with our mind. Even if we don't steal with our hands, we steal with our minds. We will sin so we can't keep the law and we have it goes on in, in verse 16 and and we have believed in christ jesus so that we might be made right with god because of our faith in christ not because we have obeyed the law for no one will ever be made right with god by obeying the law what's paul trying to say here okay you get it it's easy it, it it's easy to to read but we think somehow we've got to fix this stuff ourselves. Take it from a pro at sin. We can't fix this stuff ourselves. And you can ask about 200 other people in this room that would say exactly the same thing. We can't fix it ourselves. Going a little bit further in Galatians chapter 3, verse 2 and 3, Paul says this. I only want to, uh, I only want to learn this from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you foolish after beginning by the Spirit? Are you now finishing by the flesh? And a lot of people believe that. Matter of fact, there are sects, S-E-C-T-S, in this world that teach that, well, your faith is first in Christ, but then you have to do your works to earn something. I'm just saying, it's not biblical. It doesn't line up with what Jesus taught. It doesn't line up with what James is teaching here. And it doesn't line up with what Paul taught. It doesn't line up with what Peter taught. It does not line up anywhere. We don't start the salvation process in, in, by faith in Jesus and then complete it by doing works. We don't do works to get salvation. But we do do works because Christ has saved us. We do do works out of the overflow of what he's done in our lives. And the closer you get to Christ, the more difficult it is not to let him be a part of every part of everything. It's like something's missing if you're not there. It's evidence. It's part of the change. In Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, he says, For God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. 
Uh, that leads me to number three, and it's strong. Real faith, for God, real faith is for God's glory and not for our gain. That's where you can tell what those works are all about. It's for him. It's for him. I mean, I, I hope that this is what you see in me, and I hope it's what we see in you. You don't want your name elevated. You don't want credit for stuff. You want glory for Christ. And Christ alone, it's what it's about. It's not for our gain, it's for his glory. Works are not the plus anything that makes the, the way to the Father for us. Because there, there's not a plus anything for our faith. The, the product, the overflow, the, the ministry of our lives should demonstrate the very real eternal change that has happened in our lives because Jesus has changed us. That's what James is talking about here. Because of what Christ has done in our lives, this is who we are. At least, and hear me on this, at least it's who we are becoming. It's the process of sanctification where he's changing us from the inside out. And it does not happen just overnight. Now, there are things very clear that will start showing up as soon as you meet Christ. Things, ways that you live that you're so uncomfortable with immediately. But there are other things that are kind of off the radar and they kind of come as we continue to mature in our faith. And that change becomes more relevant over and over again as we live our life. The fruit, the evidence seen in our, our works are part of God's plan and are, are only for his glory. We mentioned that. And I love the way we, we read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. It's not for something we can take credit of. It's something that God does. So we won't take credit for it. But if you go one more verse in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, the apostle Paul says this. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So while we can't be saved by the good works, we are saved to do the good works. And here's the cool thing. He didn't make you make the decision that you're making, but he knew the decision that you would make. And in that, he had already created the good works for you to do even before you were born. Let that blow your mind for a second. Matter of fact, he knew you'd be here today. And he's got good for you to do in that. It's part of who he created you to be even before you were born. James chapter 2 and verse 18, you go another step further. Now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say to you, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. He says, it's going to be evident. You're going to know it in the way I think. You're going to know it in the way I do things. You're going to know it in the way I respond. What if you have a bad day? Well, we do struggle with the flesh every single day. That part's not gone, it's just redeemed. I see this. Good works for the glory of God are only possible for the person who has been changed by faith in Jesus Christ. It's the only, the only way it's going to happen. Anything else, even something that, that you can put on a good show or a, a, a fake mask for a little bit. It's going to be revealed. At some point, somebody's going to come by you and it's going to be like Halloween. They're going to pull that mask down. Ooh, not quite what I thought. You looked all awesome from the outside. Ooh, you see what I'm saying? That's exactly what we do. It's a fake if it's anything. A fair warning, this next verse is powerful. It's a, it's a verse that I see the Holy Spirit often speak to people in an incredible way. It, it's, it's a hard truth, but it is truth. It's uncomfortable, but it's real. It's James 2, 19 and 20. It says, you say you have faith, for you believe there is one God. Going back to, the, to, to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5. 
He says, good for you. And then he says this. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without deeds is useless? We've got to stop here for one second. I just want to, I want to make sure that you heard what was just said in Scripture. You believe that God is one. Good. I mean, we, that's, that's a starting point. It is, but has it changed you? Because the demons, not, they don't only believe, they know it's true. They're very alive in that spirit world. And sometimes we forget that there's a spirit world even around us where evil is, is, is trying to overcome and overtake. But he's saying the intellectual is not enough. Being aware that it's, that it's something is not enough. And that's why I wrote this, and this is the last one. Real faith goes beyond knowledge, and it affects the way you live because you've been changed. It's not head knowledge. It's heart change. That's what he's saying. It's not just here, it's here. And it shows up what comes out of your mouth. It shows up in what you allow to go in your ears. It shows up in the way that you treat other people. It shows up in the way that you respond to, to, to everything in life. It shows up that way. Faith in Jesus is not just believing that Jesus exists. You can even believe that the events of the cross, his death, his burial, his resurrection are all real. And that he, you can even believe that he did this to bring salvation to all who would put their faith in him. We have to believe it, but also you have to admit that you have to have him. See, at that point, it's still sitting on the table. And you have to receive. But to all who have received that gift, you have to, you have to take what he's offering you. And say, God, I can't do this. I've got to have you. 1 John 1.12 says it like this. But to all who have believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Not accepting that he exists, trusting him for salvation. That God, when I breathe my last breath, 100% dependent on you. I have to have you. The last two verses here, or a couple of verses in James chapter 2, verse 21 and following. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, faith and his actions work together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Interesting. So James holds this Old Testament story out of, of Abraham. Father Abraham. His faith, it says, was seen in his obedience as he brought his son to the altar to put him to death in obedience to his heavenly father. But then the scripture tells us that God made a provision there. Now here's a cool thing, and there's no way we could have planned this because I had no idea that the crew was going to sing that brand new song, Jaira. When it says that God provided for Abraham there, you know who he's talking about? 
Specifically, it says Jehovah Jireh, which means my Lord who provides. That's what Abraham said when he looked over in the bushes in the thistle and he saw the, the lamb that was there. He saw Jehovah Jireh providing for him. But it says that he was declared righteous by God because of his faith in God. Abraham was amazing. He was a faithful leader. But so many of us in the room said, I'm not like him. I've never done something so amazing as Abraham did. So it's like James flips a switch right there and he says, okay, well maybe you need to hear this then. In verse 25 and 26 he says, well there was this lady, Rahab the prostitute. She's another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. And James closes, just as the body is dead without breath, so faith is dead without good works. You know, we look at lives like Abraham, we say, well, he, surely he never messed up. You need to read the whole story if you think that Abraham never messed up, even though he was a friend of God, even though he was faithful and we know the first thing we know about Rahab is that she messed up. She was not a righteous person. But clearly she was changed by God. Something happened there. But her actions gave evidence of her faith in God. It showed, it demonstrated it. So faith without works is dead. James is saying that faith is alive. Faith is not knowledge in a book. Faith is not something you just wrote down. Faith is something that has happened to you. Faith is something that when the book is gone, the faith is still there. Faith is when the notes all over your house that talk about your faith, when those are gone, your faith is still there. That's what faith is. It's a real thing. It's alive. And he's begging the question, if nothing happened because of your faith, did faith happen? And I think that's a question for every single one of us in this room. I don't care what decision you made at seven years old when you were a kid. Did it change you? Have you been a different person since then? I, I, don't, I don't care about the decision that you made when you were in high school or you were in college. And you say, well, yeah, I remember that date. And I was baptized with all my friends because we came back from camp. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not asking you what the events were that happened around that. I'm asking what happened to you. Were you changed? Were you changed by a holy God? Because that's what happened to Abraham. That's what happened to Rahab. And that's what has to happen to us. So I think you get this, but there's, there's one more question. What are the works? What, is the, what, what does that change? What, what are the, what are, what's, the, what's the product of it? Well, those of you who have been around here for a while, you know that I do this quite often. And, I, and it's a great place to go to, and I hope that you will. I think it'll help. I read one little short paragraph from gotquestions.org. So if you've got questions about your faith, if you've got questions about a, uh, something your kids are asking, if you've got faith about, uh, or questions about something that somebody at work is asking, seriously, go to gotquestions.org. Here's just one thing. Works are the product of faith. They're not the helper of, they're not the sustainer, they're not the, the extra part that you need. They're the product of it. 
They're what's on the other side of it. I love the way he said it. This is, the, this is, this is what he goes on and says in, in this. He says, that those who have true faith in Christ Jesus will be eager to do what is good, according to Titus chapter 2. That's, that's what the good works. They're eager to do what is good. No, what is good? It's what's perfect in the sight of a holy God. That's what good is. John the Baptist called it the fruit in keeping with repentance. Grace through faith it saves, and that saving faith manifests. It causes us to do good works. If someone claims to have faith yet exhibits no good works, James says, faith is dead. In other words, he says, that's like non-existent. Huh? I see nothing. In the context of salvation, works are the good deeds we do because of our faith. They are acts of love, but they are also the reality of the decision that we choose to keep God's law. We're free not to sin for the first time because of what Christ has done in us. There is something inside the, the follower of Jesus, the, the person who has real faith, that is not okay with letting someone who they know that doesn't know Jesus stay in that condition and suffer. You're not okay with it. It, it, it haunts you. It stays with you. It's on your mind when you go to sleep. Every time you see them, every time their number pops up on your phone, every time you see them at school or work, you're not okay. You're not okay with it because you've got this peace and this hope and this love of Christ and you're not okay with them not having it. The, the person who, who has the real faith, they can't sit on the sidelines when injustice is happening. They have to help. They can't always do the same thing, but they have to help. I think about those who are abused or abandoned, those who can't help or don't know how to get help. James talked about it just at the end of James chapter 1. He talks about the widows and the orphans, those who can't take care of themselves. And those with faith in Christ, they can't help but help people. It's in their spiritual DNA. They can't just let it ride. The person with real faith won't be satisfied with who they were before they met Jesus, when life and their sins controlled who they were and what they wanted. They want to be and to live in the holiness of who God designed us to be. They see the real life struggles that are going on with our friends in Puerto Rico right now, with Pandavita and our, 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 our church partnership with Pastor David and Pamala. They see the fact it's been a month since they've had electricity and water. Good night. And we pray for them and we found ways that we can get there to help. As we have for the last five years and we do it again. Because we love people. We see what's happened in Florida with Fiona over the last weekend. And we got to do something to help. And it's not just fixing their homes. It's not just cleaning up their yards or cutting down trees. We see an opportunity to, to share the love of Jesus with those who are in hurting in one of the darkest times of their lives. Maybe they've lost everything. Maybe they've lost loved ones. And we see that opportunity, and we can't help but take it. The Alabama Baptist Disaster Relief, uh, some of them are already prepped. They're already ready to go. They're already set their dates aside when they can go help. In the name of Jesus. Uh, Samaritan's Purse that we've helped with over and over again. They're already down there helping right now. With the, with the front fighters helping to make life right again for these people. But at the same time, 
They're showing their faith. At the same time, they're sharing their faith. Real faith genuinely loves people. It loves all people. Some of you may be wondering, well, why don't you skip verses 1 to 13? I didn't skip it. But it's got everything to do with what we just read. Here's what he's saying in those 13 verses. They scream this. It doesn't matter what they have or what they don't have. It doesn't matter the color of their skin or the country or the language that they speak. We're to love them all. It doesn't matter how much sin they've got currently in their life or how much they've already been able to clean up. Doesn't matter how righteous they are, we love people. Why do we love people? Because Christ loved people. And you are people that Christ loves. We demonstrate that love when we live out what he's done in our lives. So here's your choice, and this is where this all kind of comes to a peak, and we have to figure out what we're going to do before we come down off this mountain. This is your choice. Will you keep talking and telling everybody that you know Jesus when the truth is that you just know about him? You know, you, you're wearing it on your wrist. But if you, if you were asked the question, has he changed your life? I'm just saying that should bother us all the way to the core. If it's just words and it doesn't match our life at all, it should bother us. Or will you let Christ reveal the real faith in you that has changed your life? Will you let Christ be manifest through your life? Vance Havner was a voice I heard so many times in Albany, Georgia when we served down there because he was one of uh, Michael Katz people that he loved so much and had him in down there at Sherwood Baptist so often. That's the guys that do all those great movies, the Kinnick Brothers, that's where they come from. Got a new one out, you need to see it too. Vance Havner said this, nothing is more disastrous than to study faith, analyze faith, make noble resolves of faith, but never actually make the leap of faith. Let that soak in for a second. Know it all, study it all, memorize it all, be aware of it all, but never take the leap of faith to trust Christ 100%. It's the greatest mistake in all of history that we make. And many of us go to the grave with that. Do not go to the grave with just a head knowledge. It would be the eternal tragedy. Some of you in this room need to do what we talked about in the very beginning of this study today. Repent and believe what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. Let him change you from the inside out. It's the verse we say almost every single week, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is made a new creature. The old is gone. Behold, I make all things new. That is what Christ wants to do in your life if you've never trusted him. I want you to stand to your feet. Our worship team is coming right now. And I'll be honest, this part's not singing about, it's not about singing a song. This part's about letting God sing a song in your heart. It's about motivating us, pressing us, changing what needs to be changed in our heart. That's what these, these steps, this altar is for. It's why Drew will be down here. It's why I will be down here.
you need to talk to someone, do that. But if something's going on inside here, it's the Holy Spirit of God speaking to you. Listen to Him. I want to ask you not to move around, not to move out of this place, because you might, you might actually stifle the Holy Spirit that's trying to speak to someone in this room. Just hold on for just a minute and see what God does in your life and the lives around you. Jesus, we need you now. Our Jehovah Jireh. In Jesus' name. Amen. You come as the Holy Spirit speaks to you in this moment. Listen to him.